Healing with Raymond and Billy. 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 My name is Raymond Johnson, and with me today, my co-host and co-pilot is Billy James. Hi, Billy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I threw that at you. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I just wanted Do everyone to hear both of our voices so they can start to figure out who's who and which is the difference. Um, I also forgot to mention before we started recording, but I'm just going to keep going with this, is that when I was setting up um, my garage band, I was feeling so oppressed because you have to pick like male narrator or female narrator. You really should just divide it to like, where does the tone of your voice sound, you know, treble, nice, but anyway. All right. Welcome everyone to episode one. So you want to go on a healer's journey. We wanted to do um, this. Uh, we, we had a conversation on the radio once before and it went really well. And we decided, why don't we keep doing that? Let's just keep being too, uh, two healer geek friends who like to geek out about healing. Um, my other tagline for this show is two cute QTs talking QT health. Um, <laughs> hey, I did all right on you that. It's it. a tongue twister. I love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we are both um, QTs, queer trans, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you okay in that umbrella, yeah. Billy? Like, I, I'm into that right now, that little acronym QT. It's better than quilt bag. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean... I do kind of love that, even though it's terrible. Um, shout out to Kia, my friend. Anyway, um, so we uh, we are both healers. Uh, are you okay with that label as well? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I know some people, I think, feel resistant to it, at least some other uh, shiatsu therapists. I'm a shiatsu therapist, and I think sometimes some of my colleagues, um, they struggle with, like, picking up that mantle. And to be honest, I, I mean, I get it because it can come out of certain people's mouth and sound really strange. Like when people sort of lead with that, like, hello, I'm a healer. And I'm like, mm, no, thank you. <laughs> but I do inherently believe that all of us as living beings are healers because we are healing ourselves. So we're all healers. Um, but Billy and I, we are just super into that process of healing and we like to talk and find out what other people are doing and how to heal better and faster. And we wanted to sort of, um, share a lot of our information, um, especially with other QT folks because there aren't a lot of resources. So if you're, um, a cis person or a straight person listening, um, a lot of this advice will probably work for you too, but... To be honest, I've never been sick, so I can't <laughs> Just kidding. We love you. It'll work for you, too. <laughs> so let's talk about pronouns for a moment. Um, Billy prefers they. I actually like they, um, but I also go by he, and I went through a lot in my early 20s to get everyone to call me he. So, um, But to be honest, I've always, even when I was transitioning, God, um, 18 years ago, um, I always talked about, like, I, I felt like I was a multitude of genders. I was all genders. I just wanted to be housed, um, in a trans male body. So I feel kind of trans non-binary. And so that's why he is fine. I don't, I like he, he's great. He's accurate, but they is also accurate. And I like they, so the, the title of this, so you want to go on a healer's journey because, um, Billy is going to talk a little bit about, Um, we come from an East Asian perspective in our training and we sort of see the body, uh, in sort of a a little bit different map. So it's the same body and it's not like 
uh, the bones and muscles and organs don't exist in East Asian medicine, we just also sort of see all these other channels that are running through the body and see how those channels connect a lot of the functions. And um, we, so we both went to schools where we learned about sort of the, the big 12 meridians. And back to Billy, they are going to talk a little bit about the 12 meridians and the channels in the body through sort of the lens of the hero's journey. That was a beautiful introduction. Um to both me and Chinese medicine um, from our East Asian perspective. Uh, and that, that idea of the healer's journey um, being something that we can all go on, it's really this idea of moving into different phases in our lives and doing it consciously uh, to be able to understand where we are along the path and to be able to either find resources or mentors or plant medicines or other kinds of assistance to be able to move ourselves along to the next part of the journey or to be able to notice where other people are along their path and to be able to offer some sort of assistance or guidance or perspective um, and to know how we play in each other's processes as well. Um, And so that's really how I see a healer is somebody who is engaged on the journey um, in some sort of conscious capacity. Um, and so I read, I heard something the other day about these 12 meridians that we talk a lot about in East Asian medicine. And the idea that this person um, posited was that you know the these channels are actually connections that go up to the brain and that the brain then sends a signal to the corresponding part of the body that needs healing Um, and so it can have a very physical manifestation that when we work with these channels in the body we're you know working with the muscle and we're sending and connective tissue and we're sending information along the connective tissue which connects to organs and other parts of the body But there's also this idea that we're working with nerve pathways that connect with processing centers in the brain that correspond to different parts of the body that may not even be necessarily related to the part of the body that we're actually stimulating or accessing. And I really loved that idea because it it made this, this kind of ephemeral meridian idea of the body have more of a grounding kind of experience to it that it wasn't just about you know these supposed lines that map through our body uh, that are you know imaginary but that there are multiple levels of being able to see the body um, from a very superficial type of level as you know working with uh, you know, skin and sensitivity and, and bringing awareness to the body to deeper levels of working with deeper connective tissue that moves into organs and throughout the body down to a very cellular level of getting the, the brain to process information and then connect the body in new ways that we are just beginning to understand in Western medicine. That reminds me, there's a, a book that I read that I really loved for how it sort of um, connected some Western ideas about how the body works with the more Eastern ideas of chi. And I, I sort of think of us as we're sort of electricians of the bodies the way that we sort of, um, what we're sort of working in versus, even though 
you're puncturing, you know, skin and needle or, or skin and muscle with your needles and you are having that physical engagement. So that's really interesting talking about bringing it back to that, because I feel like with my shiatsu, I am working in the spatial field and in these channels that are under the skin and above the skin, but I feel like I can connect with all of them if I make contact with the body. Like I know there's a lot of really powerful healers who maybe can work totally above the body and they have such, you know, like the type of people who can like start fires with their chi mm. hands and stuff like that. Like they have those superpower cultivated uh, ability. Um, but for me, I think, and a lot of the, what I love about the work is that there does have to be that sort of that physical contact uh, together. Um, and, that comes with like being in the room and my hand on like fully on their body. Um, I do also want to backtrack a little bit and give an official disclaimer that um, we're, I think we're not Western docs. You've probably figured that out by now. Um, so we do not diagnose or treat any diseases, um, but sort of, I, I like what you were talking about with healing. Like you, I want, we want folks to kind of consider this as a gateway and inspiration to where you might want to go on your own journey and you'll still need to sort of assemble your team to help. Um, and we'll talk a lot about that in every episode, like w what are different members of your team and how do you, how do you go about choosing them? And that team can be everything from plant friends, like <laughs> Billy talked about herbs. Um, it can be therapists, it can be ancestors, it can be community, it can be, you know, um, surgeons, like there's all sorts of things that we, we just are kind of wanting to really broad this, broaden the understanding of health to really go beyond pathogenic things. And so, but, you know, we live in a certain culture that we have to give a disclaimer that we're not Western docs mm -hmm. and we don't do that, but I don't want yeah. to be those anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, exactly. I'm okay making that disclaimer. <laughs> um, my other disclaimer is that I swear a lot. Um, I'm sorry, mom, <laughs> if you're listening, um, I, I'm, I tried uh. be professional and keep, you know, but I get exuberant and, you know, studies show that people who swear, it means that they're mm -hmm. often more honest. Mm -hmm. So please <laughs> take it to mean that, um, and also maybe an object lesson that if you restrict your kid too much throughout <laughs> their childhood, they end up getting a master's degree in writing and become a motherfucking poet about the curse words. <laughs> so, but I will try it, try and rein mm -hmm. it in a little bit. Um, I hope not. Okay. Well, you know, it depends on if my mom actually does end up listening, maybe. <laughs> All right. Um, do, you, do you want to go back to more Hero's Journey stuff? Yeah. Um, I feel like what you kind of said touches on, you know, about you, the way that as a shiatsu therapist, you, uh, you know, work with the channels by touching the body. It, to me, that really talk, speaks to the different levels of body and mind and the connection that we can have through accessing the body um, and it's that that idea that you know these meridians that are in our body um, they have different levels from very superficial some are said to be even outside of the body energetically uh, that you can work with um, to deepen the body access through either, you know, a deeper tissue work like, you know, shiatsu or with a needle. Um, and that these meridians are not because they have these different levels from the gross or the very physical to the more ethereal or spiritual, 
you can access the emotions that are related to the meridians as well. So it's not simply just about the anatomy, that we also have this emotional system that is built into our body and that you can access this emotional system to be able to move this energy as well. I love what you just said. <laughs> I was, I love talking about, I love geeking out about what I do. It's a, I guess I'm in the right profession. Um, but I was sort of thinking for a moment about how, like, as an outsider, I, this might sound really, um, a lot of what we're talking about might seem kind of like woo-woo or esoteric in these kind of weird ways, or people who are not used to, you know, it's sort of like, how can waving your hands above my body really do anything? You know, that sort of, and I get it. I've been there. Um, and to be honest, like part of why I love this work is that because there's so much, well, all right, let's, well, where do I want to start? One, I love the inclusion of mystery. I love that there's a lot of things I do that I don't know why they work, but I just see really great results and that's enough for me. Um, and so I feel like I'm probably not going to figure out how or why it works exactly in this lifetime, but that shouldn't keep me from doing it in the meantime. So that's a lot of what drives my work is that feeling the effects for myself and seeing the effects on my clients keeps me going. Um, and it's real, like it's a real experience and we're having these sort of real interactions and mm -hmm. seeing, um, growth and change happen, you know, together in community. And, um, and that's a lot of what draws me to this work too, is that it's a really interesting type of connection. It's a really interesting type of intimacy. I think that as human beings, we have a long history of it. So I feel connected to, um, people who sort of do the work, not only now all over the globe, but also everyone, you know, in the past. Um, and I was also thinking that if you are, if you do like to fancy yourself a little bit more of a Western Enlightenment style scientist, a mm -hmm. lot of this is kind of related to like kind of quantum physics stuff. And that's, uh, I think I started talking about this book called The Spark in the Machine. And that's mm -hmm. the book that really kind of connects Western and Eastern things for me. And it was written by actually an ER trauma doctor. And mm -hmm. so it was kind of fascinating that he really kind of breaks down. So if you want the nitty gritty stuff, but right now what I was just thinking about, like, it's kind of difficult for us. Like we feel really real and we feel really concrete, but when you start to zoom in, it starts the lines about like where we end and where other things begin start to get kind of blurry. Right. Like if you, um, and you know, you can think about it in these really sort of severe thought exercises. Like if I cut off my arm, you know what I mean? Like what, what part is me and what part is gone and, and am I still me? And is that arm still me? And what, when does that arm that got severed stop being me? Like, at what point does it stop being me? Um, and like, but it, it is true that there is a loss and there is a grief and that's people go through that experience, like taking this from the flippant to the reality. Like if you do have a, you know, something, anything on your body is amputated. It's a really complicated thing that you mm. go through. It's not just some, you know, one-off thing that as far as it changes your relationship to your body. Um, and mm. there's trying to kind of wind my way back to like, how do you kind of get this onto like a more subtle level? So if you have everything sort of interconnected. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier too, Billy, is that like everything kind of goes up to the brain and then gets sent back out again. Mm -hmm. And so 
there's points all over the body that if you're touching things on the ankle, then it's going to connect with the nervous system and things like that. And that's a lot of what we talk about, those channels. Um, but I also have been thinking a lot about uh, the more functional anatomy and how the body works and how we sort of have all these muscles that we name, but that the the people who kind of did that were were like pathologists and were looking at basically dead bodies. And they weren't sort of looking at the internal human being as it was moving through the world and being active and being alive. And that the way that we actually exist in the world is we're more a series of like, I think of it as almost like tinker mm -hmm. toys and rubber bands at all our joints. Like we're just these sort of connections. And then we almost just have like one giant sheath of connective tissue that brings it all together. So it's not so much that we have 200 individual muscles, right? But that it's all sort of connected because you have the muscle, but it's next to the tendon and it's wrapped in the connective fascia. And if you kind of pull on one, then other things are going to go with it. Um, and so there's a lot of kind of mi microcosm and macrocosm in our work. And so uh, that's sort of where, where, where the emotions come into play. And I think that people are starting to maybe get a little bit how much the, 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 little, the tiny things can affect big things. Um, I was reading this book uh, by, I think it's Julia Enders, and it's called Gut. And it's one of those sort of like, not a micro history, but sort of just like, it's a really sort of, it's a, it's more of a popular book. It's not super scientific. It was probably in New York. It was like a, a bestseller. Um, and she really just talks about like what happens. Um, what do our lips do? What does our mouth do? What does the esophagus do? Like just kind of works our way from one end of the digestive tract to the other. And, um, and I loved the section that was basically all about gut bacteria and probiotics and things like that. And really talking about how little tiny bacteria that live in our colon can, can can send signals up through those channels that mm -hmm. Billy was just talking up to our brain and make us do things. And by say make us do things, I mean like make us get out of bed and go eat certain foods. <laughs> <laughs> and that um, and so I think even from a Western perspective, people are starting to sort of start to to see a little bit how the the tiny things kind of trickle out and become big things. And a lot of our work is sort of directing and changing the currents of the tiny things mm -hmm. and then seeing what the big ripples out that come out yeah especially you know like what you're saying about the you know the more functional aspect of it when we think about our posture for example and the way that those muscles kind of tell our body send signals to our brain about what's happening in our environment if our bodies are constricted our chest is brought together our lungs aren't able to fill up to full capacity our body believes that, you know, we're trying to protect our internal organs, it will send a message of distress to our brain and increase anxiety as our as our brains begin to try to scan the environment for what's wrong so that we can be able to, you know, see how we can protect ourselves because our body's in distress. It thinks, uh, you know, that's a very real connection between our muscles and our what we might call spiritual selves. Uh, so this idea of the spiritual selves or, you know, the, the channels being outside of the body in some way, those are also metaphors for being able to understand that our physical body, our posture, the way that we're moving in the world, environmental stress, all of those things um, have impacts on our, our bodies and on our spirit, and that those two things are really connected. And how do we 
connect to those things in ways that lead to the healing of our bodies um, and lead to a more whole sense of self. Um, and that search for wholeness, I, I think, is really key to that healer's journey that we're talking about is really finding and collecting those parts of ourselves that we may have had to you know, cut off or submerge in order to move through the world, um, either at one point in our life or currently have to do, um, because the world, especially for QT peeps, can be a very dangerous um, or hostile place in order to have a sense of wholeness uh, that wants to divide people up into, you know, binaries, black or white or male or female, and how to, you know, even with this garage band voice recording, you know, um, and so finding that that wholeness as part of the hero's journey um, is really, um, I think what what this work that we're talking about is, and accessing the body is one of the ways, along with you know plants, friends, and you know therapists, and all of those different resources that we will be talking about in every episode. Um, that's, I think, for me, what I'm really excited about with this podcast. I loved uh, when you were talking about the metaphor aspect, because I think that's probably a lot of why I was drawn to this work as well. I um, I got my bachelor's degree in environmental science um, when I was 18 to 22 is when I was in college, and uh, and had an interest in that, but I kind of like veered off more into nonprofit land and social service work and things like that. Uh, and law firms, that's where I was like making money, day job, things like that. Uh, and it wasn't until I circled back, uh, I was laid off in 2009 and was trying to sort of look for a bunch of different jobs. And basically my two sectors I was working in were the ones that like took a big hit at the time. And I just was like, you know what, I gotta do something different. And you know, I spent a lot of time going through the, like, what color is your parachute process and trying to figure out all that. And, um, and, uh, I realized I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to sit in a computer all the time because I was, I, I was a writer and I, I knew I had to sit at the computer to write and that part was fine, but I didn't want to like sit at a computer at law firms and things like that all the time. And I was like, I think I need to do something in my body. And, um, I'm someone who has not, it's like I went to shiatsu school and I knew I was sort of disembodied or not connected to my body, but I'm still sort of unraveling like how disconnected from my body I was and am currently, but I can also see these huge differences and these openings. And it's exciting when I see that because then that makes me keep going. And I think that's what I... That's also why I'm excited to share to share those things that I feel like kind of open doors for me personally especially related to the, I mean, essentially the trauma that we all kind of absorb being QTs in this world. Um, I know that there's, I mean, maybe there, there's, there are some folks my age who are queer trans person who um, somehow had some sort of magical socializing experience and didn't go through it. But I think for the most part, we all sort of have, kind of a version of CPTSD that's because we've all been a little bit held hostage by our families and by the culture. Even even the ones that loved us and were doing their best, and I do not mean to say that like 
<laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, incarcerate anyone's parents <laughs> for not, you know, whatever. But um, I'm more saying that even if someone who does love you and is doing their best and doing exactly what they think is best for you, they can still actually be kind of brainwashing you. And that will kind of fuck with your nervous system. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of what uh, I've been sort of unraveling too with my shiatsu work. I, I just kind of specialize in working with folks um, who have PTSD, um, or maybe not even been officially diagnosed with it, but like they they kind of read a lot of the materials and they feel like, oh, that might be me. And then they kind of want to start maybe exploring some, some of the work and, and unwinding of certain things. Um, and... Oh no, did I have anything else to say about that? I don't think so. <laughs> or if I did, it went away. <laughs> oh, you were talking about metaphor. That's what I wanted to go back to. Um, I had this colleague once who, um, she was she's an acupuncturist, and uh, she was kind of just, um, you know, rolling her eyes about some client who was talking about the Pope and was really excited about seeing the Pope and, and this acupuncturist is an atheist. And so they're like, I just, I'm really surprised that this person's like, I didn't know that they were that into it. And I kind of teased her and I was out like, well, she was like, I, I didn't strike them as someone who'd be into something so magical. And I was like, says the person who sticks needles in to release toxic wind. <laughs> and she was uh, like, oh, that's a metaphor. <laughs> uh, Right. But I'm all like, well, so is Catholicism. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, right. and it's all metaphor. It's all metaphor. It's all story. That's how we're built. I think there's, I don't think it's an accident that I have my MFA in creative writing and that I also mm -hmm. do shiatsu therapy. Like to mm -hmm. me, it feels so connected because it's about the stories we tell about ourselves and about each other. And I think maybe it's almost like I had to learn creative. I had to learn how to like change the story on the page, like learn how to edit it and shape it and create it. And now I feel like I'm applying that skill to my body and to my life. And that's kind of what healing wow. is for me. Um, yeah. That's really, um, I really love and connect with how you just talked about kind of the experience of metaphor and the body and the, the way in which writing in essence, you're writing your body or you're writing the narration of your experience of your body. And um, there's this really great book that I read called Rhetorics of Material Rhetorics of Materiality. And it talks about kind of this philosophical basis of um, trans understanding of the body and the location of the body. And um, it's way too much to get into, but it really talks about this kind of metaphor. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, the power of the QT person um, is an awareness, perhaps, of the metaphor of the body that a cis person may not have. Um, and about kind of the the traumas, in a way, of living in a world that doesn't acknowledge a reality that we are aware of. Um, and so this kind of acknowledgement and recognition for ourselves of it um, and the process of kind of becoming tied to our bodies as they are and as they may be in this transitional process of who we are in our lives, a series of transitions, um, that, that process I feel like is so key to talking about this hero's journey uh, because 
that's really what it's about. It's really about that road less traveled, about that person who is undergoing a, a highly individual experience to, you know, in Jungian terms, individuate or become this individual who, whose destiny is outside of the culture um, and who comes back in and changes the culture by bringing these gifts that they've gotten on their journey uh, to be able to move the culture forward and at the same time find wholeness for themselves. Yeah. Um, that just reminds me, I, I did a writing workshop once with um, Amy Bloom and she was talking about, uh, she had found this book at like a used bookstore that was like the 54 plots in, in literature or something like that. Like how there's really only 50 mm. stories or whatever. And how she always kind of loves reading those guides. Like here, there's only eight stories. There's only this many stories, but that's mm. that you can almost really boil all stories down to a hero's journey or a stranger comes to town. And mm-hmm. that even those are really the same story from two different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. What? Oh, would you like to? Would you like to start our tour of the Meridians, Billy James? <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> so I think you know really what today's episode, what we wanted to to start talking about is the lung, uh, and this is one of the channels that you know. Um, and potentially kind of meta in a way, which trying to ground what we're talking about today regarding healing and really bring it down to this embodied point is one of the challenges of talking about the lung, because as we know, the lung is all about air. Now, you know, we breathe in the air. And with the metaphor of the lung, we talk a lot about breathing in inspiration, that we're breathing in this heavenly nourishment into our bodies and that that heavenly nourishment kind of comes in and brings circulation into our brain, the sense of inspiration of thoughts and ideas and movement. Um, and so really this, this lung meridian is kind of about this opening up of ourselves to a new possibility and inspiration to begin the hero's journey um, and how we go about moving in the world because of that. Um, and, And some of that has to do in a very embodied sense about the opening of our chest to be able to breathe in air to get proper circulation into our body and into our brains. And also kind of how we process now that we've decided that, you know, we're inspired to move along our journey. How do we deal with some of the grief patterns of what we're leaving behind as you inevitably go on that journey? So how do we deal with the grief of leaving behind people who may not understand where we're going or the grief of loss of having to let go of leaving point A to go to point B? Um, you know, it is a loss to leave your house to go to work because you're leaving something. Um, and so really that kind of, uh, there's that embodied part of it. Um, and then there's that spiritual part of it. So the very functional breathing part, and then the relationship to the inspiration and that co co friend (laughs) grief that, you know, is, is related to that. 
I, lo- I love the thing about the the lung being about the the sort of first step uh, of the hero's journey, right? And that the first breath, and uh, and uh, sometimes when I'm sh- when I, um, we haven't been talking too much about chi, and I think that's probably fine because it's sort of an esoteric thing, but it is sort of I feel like what gets put a lot. It's the first thing people know about, like think about if after acupuncture they know about acupuncture then they know there's sort of this mysterious chi thing that we're working with um and that's sort of what when i talk about as being electricians of the body you can sort of think of that as the sort of the bioelectrical impulses in the body because what makes our bodies alive what makes us not zombies um actually like scientific western scientifically can't in a laboratory differentiate between what makes me alive and what makes a zombie not alive. So what I mean is Western, Western med, like no Western lab has been able to identify like what makes me get up and move. Like what's makes me take that breath. What makes me want to move forward. And that, that feeling, which sometimes I'll, I'll have people do an exercise where they take a really deep breath in through their nose. And then you, you, well, let's just take a moment and do talk about abdominal breathing, real simple abdominal breathing exercise. So you'll inhale slowly through your nose, and when you're doing that, kind of gently push your belly, your belly button out, just real soft, like not forcefully, but just sort of let it sort of go out while you inhale in. And that will help give your lungs a little bit more space, like Billy was talking about. And then when you exhale, you'll bring your belly in and out through your mouth. Congratulations, everybody. We've meditated. That's all it is. Um, we concentrated on our breath. Um, it's a really simple practice. It's really amazing. Someone, uh, a teacher of mine once talked about when you pull the diaphragm out like that, that a diaphragm is this really thin muscle that's kind of inside our, our abdominals that kind of help pull the lungs. So the lungs um, are doing their own involuntary thing. But when we are kind of that feeling of making our chest expand, like we feel like we're making our lungs breathe, that's actually really our diaphragm muscle. And that diaphragm muscle is connect connects to the pericardium, which the pericardium is the muscle that surrounds our heart. And so by tugging on that pericardium, it's actually sort of gently squeezing on the heart. So when you take a deep breath, that's kind of why you relax because it's a little bit like giving your heart a hug. <laughs> it sounds really cheesy, but it's totally what it feels like. And it's a, a great sort of practice for sort of that heart-lung connection. Um, and I also just wanted to back up a, a little bit and talk about where, when we talk about the lung, there is sort of a, a meridian and where it's placed on the body. And so it kind of starts... Um, this is fun mm. to do on radio. Okay, <laughs> or I'm sorry, podcasts. I'm showing a lady <laughs> showing her age. <laughs> so you you're probably thinking about your lungs or in your chest, and that's true. They probably are. That's about where they're sort of located under our sternum. Um, not everyone, but most folks probably. Um, and but there's also a sort of an energetic channel that has really strong connections to the the lung organ. And so the meridian kind of starts at the front of your shoulder. So if you kind of um, let's see, if you follow like your collarbone all the way to where it connects to your shoulder, 
um, and kind of go a little bit underneath it to, you'll actually feel a lot of those like really soft, tender spots. That's probably the lung one. That's kind of the opening of the lung channel. And then if you tap down the inner part of your arm, so. Okay. The, I would say if you're, if you're going to show off your big <laughs> muscles and you want to kiss your muscle, you go ahead and lift your arm up to your uh -huh. face and kiss your muscle. That's where the lung meridian goes on your bicep. Does that make sense? Like, like that I, is brilliant. I just I came it. up with that. <laughs> I'm so, I totally just kissed my bicep. I, I thought it was like, oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> you have to try it out to know. I mean, hello. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. So, um, if you think about how you have the sort of the the soft, tender inner part of your arm, and then the more um, the 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 rough armored outer part of your arm. So we're look we're focused on the tender inner half, and then you kind of want to be, uh, kind of at the the top of your arm. So rather than uh, if you connect that point and then you, you kiss your bicep, that's another <laughs> point. And if you kind of get to your elbow crease, you want to um, that kind of runs along the sort of upper outer ridge. Uh, we're going to have to include some photos when we put this show up. We'll do that so that people can look. Um, and then it runs down to through your wrist and then to your thumb. So that's where kind of where the channel, the channel ends. So for, so if um, you're getting an acupuncture treatment and they wanted to do some lung points, that's where they would stick the needles is that sort of concentrated areas. And so I like to also think about part of why I wanted people to think about where it was on their body is because there's a lot of, gestures that kind of can go with it and i kept thinking about that as billy was talking about the other aspects of the lung is sort of the you're taking your first breath and so you're sort of like opening your arms up mm. and like welcoming that sort of gesture and things like that so a lot of times um you'll there's a lot of yoga moves that i feel like are related to this or, or qigong and things like that so a lot of times why certain gestures go in certain ways is because that's where a meridian is located on the arm or on the leg. Um, and then a lot of times those are just metaphors for what we're sort of, our bodies are naturally doing. Um, like when, when we do kind of like, I'm thinking you were talking about the posture and like you're feeling slumped over, you're feeling sad, you're feeling grief, you're feeling, you're struggling. And then maybe you realize what you're doing and you start to work your way through it. And one of the first things you do is you sort of sit up and pull your shoulders back and then your arms kind of naturally open out. And if you pay attention to that gesture and where, mm -hmm. where the muscles are sort of originating, that's probably going to be the lung mm -hmm. and large intestine um, meridians, which we will get to in episode two, the paired, the paired meridians um, thing too. Okay, so um, I, I mentioned the large intestine, and then that made me realize that I needed to call back um, the docent to give us the little tour of the 12 meridians. Um, so uh, the, the reason we started with the lung is because uh, the, all the meridians are, are, have the same name as, as the organs, and so I'm, I'm using those a little bit interchangeably. Like if I talk about large intestine, lung, there's the organs, meridians. Okay. Um, 
backtrack. So the lung is sort of the you can take the 12 meridians and they are sort of connected to the 24 hour cycle of the day. Um, each so there's two hour you can divide the, the day into two hour chunks and that period is sort of when that meridian and that organ is sort of most active. It's like it, this is when it's that meridian's time to shine. And so the lungs time to shine is at 3 a.m. because well, I don't know if this is true, but because you never know when you're learning from some weirdo white teachers, but they're always like, that is when the first breath of the ashram, when you're awakened, <laughs> whatever. And I was like, 3 a.m. sounds a little early, but I would maybe buy that 5 a.m. as the wake up time. And you do, your breathing does change before you wake up, like in your body temperature changes and things like that. Whatever. So... All right, uh, <laughs> but um, so that's uh, that's kind of why we chose the lung. And so we're sort of going back to that story aspect. If you think about the story of our day and thinking about the rhythms of your body in that way, so we're starting with the lung, and then what comes next, Billy James? Well, then we have the large intestine, <laughs> and the, we were supposed to play like the prices. Right <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> I could totally add that in. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Post-production. Yeah, so large intestine. And, um, you know, large intestine is in your abdomen. Um, And so interesting, lung to large intestine, that those are connected. But we're going to talk about how those are connected in future episodes. Um, And then after the large intestine, it flows to the stomach. And the stomach to the spleen. And the, the connection between the stomach and the spleen is it's all about kind of digestion and and movement of the energy throughout the body to nourish it. And then after that, that energy goes to the heart so that we can get the blood kind of uh, pumping into the body. And then the small intestine to separate out some of the the things in in our digestive process. And bladder is one direction that that goes, which is after small intestine. Um, And then to the kidney, which is where a lot of our powerhouse for some of the body processes are. To the pericardium, which is the heart protector. It's the sheath around the heart. And then there's this little mysterious world called Sanjiao. Um, And the Sanjiao is often called the triple warmer, but it's really about the distribution of fluids in the body and kind of an elevator for moving the energy throughout the body. And then we have after that, the gallbladder um, and the liver. And these are really about uh, the ways that we things kind of move in the body and how smooth they flow um, and how things kind of transitions, transitional parts in our life. Um, so if, if we took, like Raymond talked about these kind of things being on a clock of numbers of, you know, 3 a.m. is where the lung begins, you can likewise take each of these meridians and look at them as though they were on a circle and that the lung, therefore, as we move lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen, it comes all the way back around so that the liver then reconnects with the lung. So it's like a nice big circle. And the circle can also be placed over the uh, hero's journey map, which is a large circle. 
and that begins at the top of the hero's journey with the lung as the hero begins their uh, journey of inspiration to take their journey. Um, and then it goes all the way down with kidney and bladder being at the bottom of that map. I, I guess we'll include an image with at the bottom is where the waters are, is where the kidney and the bladder are. And so each of these meridians or these channels, like the lung and large intestine, they each belong to a different element. And so this air element that we're talking about related to the lung, that's what the lung and the large intestine are, is they're related to the air element. And then the stomach and spleen are related to the earth. The heart and the small intestine are related to fire. The bladder and kidney are related to water. The pericardium and sandjow are something known as supplemental fire. And then the gallbladder and liver are wood. And so each of these different elements has a flavor to them. And we're going to be talking about those different flavors and how they kind of impact the hero's journey as we move along it. Thank you. Uh, uh, that's great that you, I was thinking about the five element cycle because um, we hadn't really quite touched on that either, which is sort of another way, an another way of, of looking and mapping the body. Um, and also interesting that you were talking, you called uh, lung and large intestine, the air element. And I always think of it as the metal element, right? And there's always, mm -hmm. but there's all these different, because I think a lot of people have they also think about the four elements and they're like five what's this magical fifth element um and <laughs> i'm gonna say we'll save five elements for next week with large intestine because lung and large intestine are both they're paired meridian so they're both the air metal that we're talking about so we can we'll kind of keep talking a little bit about some of these same some of the same emotional stuff that comes up with lung is also related to large intestine so we will dig a little mm -hmm. bit deeper into that in the next episode as well um but um, I did, before we go, want to circle back a little bit to grief, only because uh, we wanted to share some of our kind of coping mechanisms related to that. And one of mine um, is going back to, we talked a little about the, or earlier, the abdominal breathing and meditation. And um, I... Um, I don't have, I'm, I'm not the best meditator in the sense of, like, I don't... Um, I don't get up at the same time every day. I don't, my, my spiritual practice is something that I'm always kind of striving to get a little bit more regular in, but I'm a really amazing on the spot meditator, <laughs> like an on the spot user, what I call using my practice. And so my practice is just sort of cultivating, learning how to take really deep, long, slow belly breaths. Um, and cause it is, it's essentially a muscle. Um, I think that's the thing people think about meditating and there's a lot of talk about, how many breaths you take or what's your mantra or what's, you know, and, and for me, it's more about like, what's the bodily purpose of meditation? And that the reality is, is that if you are concentrating your focus and you're doing some form of intentional breathing, that's, that's it. That's, that's the medicine. The medicine is that. And it can, the medicine can come in a lot of different ways, depending on 
who taught you how to do that breathing. And that's amazing. That's culture. I love culture. Like I love, I love learning about new different styles and there's specific patterns of breathing you can use to control your body temperature, to stay warm. If you're up in the mountains, like there's definitely like kind of tricks and all sorts of things you can do if you take a whole yoga class on breathing or go to different traditions. But I also just want to really like kind of bring it down to that, like taking a deep breath like really it's just kind of what it boils down to and I think in some ways that got ruined for me because of how people use the term like take a breath or relax like all these things that are like the least relaxing thing and are actually just made me feel like I was kind of um they were often used against me because I was having an experience of the world and I was being told that my experience was wrong or inaccurate um mm. and so that kind of creates a sort of disconnect because as Billy was talking about, like we, we have all these experiences and we're moving through these different pathways. And if we're constantly being told that what we're experiencing is not accurate, that kind of starts to mess with your head and it kind of starts to make you mm. not be able to trust what you're seeing and feeling and experiencing. And so, um, that's been a lot of my process and so taking that slow deep breath what it does is it it gives that heart a hug it also like slows down mm -hmm. the the rate and it tells my brain like hey i know that maybe we were in crisis and things were going really fast but i'm kind of sending a message back to my nervous system like we're okay now like i'm inside a house i'm in a room alone mm -hmm. there's not a tiger there's not someone yelling at me whatever was the thing that set off my system it kind of helps me have a conversation back with my brain because my brain is sending signals to my body and i'm having this reaction that makes me feel terrible but if i'm able to see that that's what's happening and i'm aware of it then that's also where meditating is a good mental practice. I, um, I did this interview with this guy when I, uh, was writing for the newsletter for the temple. I was a member of years ago and, um, he had been a member for many, many years. And, uh, he, um, he lived a very sort of small life. Like he, this is self-described small life, but he was a super prolific artist and wrote lots of poems and lots of Zen inspired things and little songs and whatever, and had this very kind of quiet, simple life. And he talked about, he's like, meditation for me is lifting weights, that it's something that you do to make yourself stronger so that then when you go out in the world, you, you have the skill, like you can run and catch the bus and not hurt yourself. Like you can walk on ice on the sidewalk and not hurt yourself. And so meditation is not like spa, calm, dreaming, whatever type stuff. That's just relaxation. Mm -hmm. That's nice. I like that stuff too. But um, mm -hmm. I feel like meditation is more like, I, I. if you think of it as a diaphragm workout, if you want to just eliminate any woo-woo aspect, think about like, you know what? I'm going to do some diaphragm exercises and it's going to, um, the other thing it affects is your um, vagus nerve. Um, am I saying that right? I just realized I've only like read that word. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've said huh? it out loud. I was like, is it vagus? Vagus? Vajus? which that's related Ooh, to like yeah. our stress response and things like that so um anytime like basically anxiety uh 
trauma, PTSD, they all use the same phone lines. <laughs> you know what I mean? They have different names depending mm-hmm. on what your doctor gave you, when they occur, stuff like that. But a lot of the actual physical manifestations of it is a spectrum of the exact same thing. It's all on the same nervous system. And so um, this is why it's such a powerful medicine to help with so many different things. Um, and just, I really encourage people to kind of just find one that speaks to you. Um, it d- really does not matter which one it is. It's really the key is is you slow breathing and you're concentrating on it and anything that kind of helps you do those two things is a great meditation practice and it helps me um with metabolizing grief as it you know because i think a lot of times the anxiety or the trauma response i feel is sort of um is actually that i'm just a human being who's grieving um Mm. i was reading something recently about how uh even psychologists, like they talk about, uh, you know, uh, uh, episodic depression or not, not depression, like brain chemical, but like just the natural human depression that happens after like a loved one dies. Like we have this human experience of depression, but even in Western like standards, they say that the grief process is going to often take six to 12 months to leave the body. So it often takes a really long time for us to really fully, express and understand and move through the grief that we're feeling. Um, and so if you're someone that's experienced a lot of loss and a lot of back to back, like I think people are, we're so hard on ourselves cause we don't realize that it's okay to still be having a bad, sad day. Cause you're grieving something that happened two years ago. You know, I mean, I feel like if we're like, Oh, two days gotta go, you know, but sometimes stuff 20 years ago, I still <laughs> you know, shit that I'm like working through and I'm like, Oh, I just, I just closed out some shit from when I was four, you know? So there's Mm -hmm. no timeline on it. There's no timeline. And, um, that's really what they mean. I think that's another thing I've heard all the time. Like there's no timeline on grief. And I'm like, yeah, that's just some shit people say when they're pitying you. (laughs) I know that's that's not, I mean, I have a really hard, I share that because I have a really hard of myself voice in my head and that's that voice. Um, and so this is kind of how I counteract it is I sort of present it with these very sort of simple facts like, Hey self, <laughs> you know, it's going to take a while and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Grief is the, the whole process of grief is not a linear process. So to be in various stages of grief, whether it's denial or anger or acceptance or sadness, all of those different places, you kind of jump around in those places. And um, it reminds me of a really good website that I often uh, suggest for um my patients. Uh, you can find it at tinyurl.com forward slash anxiety meditation. And it's a UCLA website with guided meditations that you can listen to. Um, one of the, um, one of the uh, meditations is called dealing with difficult emotions. Um, and it can be or dealing with difficulties and it can be used either for difficult emotions or pain or uh, grief. Um, and so that's definitely one um, resource that I would recommend. Yeah, I like that one. It's just, it's real simple and effective. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, do you want to just do a little brief 
what herbs you would do. And then I think we'll just, we'll put, well, we can talk about the lung a little bit more next week. Cause we didn't even touch on cupping. <laughs> so next week we oh, can yeah. talk about that too. Love but it. If you have any herb stuff you want to add. Yeah, should we make this Billy's Herbal Corner? Yes! Oh my gosh! Billy's Herbal Corner! Yeah! Okay. Yay! So, now for the Herbal Corner moment with Billy. So, you know, one thing that Raymond was talking about was giving the heart a hug, and that's exactly what Leonaris Cardiaca or motherwort can do. Uh, the reason it's called Leonaris Cardiaca is because Leo, Leonaris, is the lion, and then Cardiaca is the heart. So it's this idea of kind of gently hugging the heart and bringing some courage and strength to it to be able to process the emotions. Uh, so if you want to get some motherwort uh, tincture, you can take some drops under the tongue during, you know, five drops under the tongue during periods of, you know, sadness on a daily basis throughout the day. Uh, that can be really comforting and um, relaxing. I also have used mo- um, motherwort. That's what you just said. Hawthorn, mm. um, hawthorn mm. berries. I've had good success with that. We tell t- tell me about hawthorn berry. <laughs> what do you know about hawthorn? <laughs> <laughs> hawthorn is great. Um, you can use it longer term to lower blood pressure. Um, if you are on any kind of heart medications, it would be good to talk with your doctor about that. Any of these herbal recommendations we have, it's good for you to you know, consult your doctor if you are taking medications or have any kind of life-threatening uh, illness. But uh, Hawthorne and, and herbs are you know, generally very safe. Hawthorne berry is wonderful for calming. Um, it has digestive properties in it, which is really good for that gut-brain connection. Uh, so, you know, having a hawthorn berry infusion, having hawthorn berry tincture, or even a tea would be nice and calming. Nice. Now I'm going to add motherwort to my <laughs> to my repertoire, too. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, okay. So we're going to talk, we're going to go into more detail in the next episode about the five elements. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about lung, um, only because... I wanted to talk about cups and cupping because it's so good for lung stuff like bronchitis and asthma. Um, But that's going to take more time. And then we'll also dig into large intestine in the next episode. So um, yay. yay. Thank you, Billy Janes. Oh, thank you. I love it. Two cute cuties talking cutie hell. (laughs) (laughs) And here comes the bumper music. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Listen to you next time. That sounds terrible. Thank you for listening. Ha ha ha.